So I'd like to take this moment then to welcome uh, an old preacher of this congregation, Armin Weller. Armin was old in the sense it was a long time ago. Uh, so Armin, if you don't know the history, Armin was pastor here at Lighty's Church from 1970 to 1984. Um, they're here for the weekend. His wife, Barbara, just shared an incredible Sunday morning hour about the ministry um, to the UCC congregations. So Armin, come up and share God's word with us this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good to see you. I enjoyed the worship time. I saw some of those weird people with their hands raised. I, I remember when the renewal first started back in the 70s that some of the people started raising their hands and other people said that offends me. So I had to pass a ruling that all the people who wanted to raise their hands had to sit in the back rows. So those people who were offended by them wouldn't see it. And then uh, things developed and soon people realized that they weren't really crazy when they raised their hands and we were allowed, allowed people to sit wherever they wanted to, didn't we? Yeah. And, uh, and then there was a time when, it, oh my goodness, probably about half a dozen years into the renewal that uh, <laughs> this one lady in the church, I won't mention her name, her name but uh, if there's a traditionalist in the church, it was this lady. And she didn't want to see anything change. And she came to me after the service, and she said, you know those people that raise their hands? I said, yes, I know. She said, I don't like that. But if it helps them worship God, that's fine with me. And I knew God was working in the congregation. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we let, let people let it sort of flow more freely at that particular time. Anyway, that was free. That wasn't part of the message. I just <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. I'm, I'm uh, happy for you people. I have a wonderful wife who's a mother of my children, and uh, she did an excellent job during Sunday school. If you weren't there, shame on you. And uh, this morning, I wanted to focus on mothers, uh, one particular mother, uh, mother of Jesus, named Mary. And uh, no, this is not a rehashed Christmas message I gave years ago. Uh, this is entirely different from anything I might have preached in that regard. Um, I, I think we don't spend enough time realizing how important Mary was, unless we were raised, for, for example, in the uh, Roman Catholic tradition, you would have high regard for Mary. I think we need to um, raise up a little bit more an appreciation for who she was. And I appreciate people like my servant, Tony. <laughs> I saw he had a water bottle, why can't I? So, so let's, uh, let's begin with a prayer. Bless us, Lord, and guide us by your word and by your Holy Spirit. Amen. I want us to look at that Mary 
uh, as her faith in Jesus began to grow beyond just being his mother. Because I think it's an example to us about how we should be growing as followers of Jesus. And it had to be strange for her to be told before he was born who he was to be, and yet change his diapers and do things that mothers have to do for all their children. There are really five lessons I want us to learn from Mary. I told my wife I was going to mention five lessons, and she said, aren't sermons all supposed, always supposed to have only three lessons? And I said, yes, but I have a lot to say. <laughs> Mary, first of all, we need to realize something very simple about Mary and her faith. Mary believed in God. That's pretty obvious, and maybe something we don't think about. She believed in God. Did you know there's a, a Gallup poll recently done that uh, 81% of people in the United States believe in God or some higher power? But when you Bible that you and I believe in, how many people believe in the God of the Bible that you and I believe in? It drops to 56% and keeps dropping as the years go by, which is something we should be distressed about. I believed in God many years ago, and that was it. I believed in God. I experienced answers to prayer, but I had not committed my life to Jesus. And somewhere along the way, he got my attention and told me I was supposed to be a pastor. And I told the men yesterday morning, I was convinced I couldn't do that because I didn't think I could stand in front of a group of people and talk. Some people still believe I can't do that. <laughs> when I became a pastor, having still not asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, I believed in God, but I hadn't surrendered to him. I was a pastor for two years, not having asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. But I believed in God. And then my wife started doing weird things like going to a women's Bible study. Now that's dangerous when you let your wife go to a Bible study. Because they, they believe weird things. They believed the whole Bible. I didn't. They believed God was working in their lives daily, minute by minute, day by day. I didn't. I believed in God. And then I started going to those Bible studies on their social events where the ladies invited their husbands to come to uh, a dinner. And that was fun. And I began to see there was something going on in the lives of these people that I didn't have going on in my life, and I began to ask questions. And as I told the men yesterday morning, I decided to experiment to see if God could do the things in my life that they said God was doing in their lives. So I experimented with my preaching. It's always good to try and experiment when there are a few hundred people watching to see if it works or not. 
I had been trained in seminary and, and classic way of preparing sermons. Uh, and and that's the way to do it. You have your, you write out your manuscript after you've done your research and your prayer. And then you practice speaking those words in front of a mirror or someplace just to get used to it all. And then you write an outline from that, step into the pulpit with your outline and preach from the outline. And I thought maybe I wasn't giving God an opportunity to direct me because I was so tied to my manuscript. So this particular week, my experiment involved doing as much praying and as much research as before, but I wasn't going to write a manuscript out. I was going to step into the pulpit with whatever points I was going to make. I stepped in the pulpit that Sunday morning with a little card. had three phrases on it. That's a dumb thing to do. <laughs> My wife was praying for me. My wife constantly prays for me. He said was, organist said that he was going to pray for me. In fact, what he said was, when he told him what I was doing, he said, boy, you need prayer. I stepped into the pulpit with a little card. My cards have gotten bigger over the years. With three phrases on it. And I began to speak. And I felt, literally felt, the Spirit of God moving in me and speaking through me in a way I had never done it before. It was so different that after the service was over and people came to shake my hand on the way out and say the things they usually say, nice sermon, Pastor, whether it was or not. And they said, that was a fantastic sermon. It was, it was like God almost programmed them because every one of them said almost exactly the same words. That was a fantastic message, Pastor. Who helped you with it? It was so obvious that there was something going on that had never gone on before. And as I said yesterday morning, I figured if God could do that with my sermons, what might he do with the rest of my life? And there, two years after I was a pastor, I committed my life to Jesus. Then it was more than Believing in God. But that was the beginning of it. Mary believed in God. Mary believed in angels. And she allowed God to speak to her. She went to the next phase of her growth. And she began to listen to God. My wife shared something about that in the Sunday school class this morning. I shared a little bit about it yesterday to the men. And that, this may be the theme for the weekend, this simple point. 
We need to listen to God. Because Mary believed in God, she was open to listening to God. You and I are good in our, in our prayer life. We're so good at speaking to God. We tell him things that he should do, why he should do it. And if we were God, this is what we would do. So God, why don't you do this? And we go on and we go on. We can pray for a long time and never stop to listen to God. And we're supposed to listen to him at least as much as we speak to him. It's called conversation. This is what prayer is. You know this. Prayer is conversation with God. And good conversation involves not only speaking to someone, but listening to that someone as well. You and I need to do a little bit more listening. And we may feel it's difficult to do that. And you know, sometimes it is. Because when you are quiet and listen, all kinds of thoughts rush into your mind that you don't know why they came. Do you know what you do when that happens? You pray for what came into your mind and listen some more. And the more you listen and the more you act on what you've heard, the more you'll recognize the voice of God and the more confident you'll be about doing the things God wants you to do. I, I like to chat with God. Some people think that's not religious enough. But we chat. You know, I talk to him, he talks to me, I talk back to him, he talks back to me. And time goes by so quickly. And it helps me to feel closer to the God who loves me and whom I love. God is always broadcasting. He's always sending out a message. Those of you who are younger, we don't have Spotify in the church, we have Godify. Always broadcasting. You need to tune in to get the message or to listen to the music. One of the saddest verses in Scripture is in the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what it says. Word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Was God not communicating? No, I'm convinced God was still communicating. He says just two verses later, it says the light of the Lord had not gone out. God was still alive and well. But people weren't listening. They hadn't tuned in. And it was when they began to tune in and a, a young boy named Samuel was told by the high priest Eli to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening that things changed in the nation of Israel. How are you doing at listening?
halfway through the renewal time here at Lydie's Church when we were here, one of my wife's best friends named Connie took care of the children during a Sunday evening service. And while she was teaching them a lesson, she started asking them questions and she said, how many of you children believe in God? And all the little hands went up. And then she said, how many of you believe that God loves you? And all the little hands went up. And then she asked, how many of you believe because God loves you that he wants you to know what he wants you to do? All the little hands went up. And then she said, how many of you have ever heard from God? How many of you have had God speak to you? And no little hands went up. And she said, well, why don't we just get quiet for a moment and listen and see if God might want to speak to us. And so it was quiet. That was the first miracle. And after a minute or so, she said, okay, how many of you heard from God? And all the little hands went up. And then she went from one child to the next. What did God say to you? What did God say? God said, what did God say to you? She came to the last child, the last child said, God said, I love you. And she said, Connie said, oh, isn't that nice that God said he loves you, little one? And she said, no, no, no. God said, I love you, Miss Connie. And the little child, from the message she received from the Lord, ministered to the teacher. How many of you believe God loves you? How many of you believe that God loves you so much that he would communicate you if you listened to him? How many of you heard from God? Good. Praise the Lord. This is the second lesson. We need to do more than believe in God. There are a lot of people who believe in God. Satan believes in God and trembles. But just believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. Spending time, someone said many years ago, spending time in the church does not make you a Christian any more than spending time in the garage makes you a car. We need to take the next step and, and listen to him and respond to him as we hear from him. First lesson, Mary believed in God. Second lesson, Mary listened to God because she believed in God. If she didn't believe in God, she never would have heard from him. Lesson number three, Mary took time to consider what she heard. It didn't just come in and go out and she forgot about it. What's the phrase used in, in Luke? Mary treasured these things in her heart and pondered them. She pondered them. She thought about them. She considered them. She thought about the what would happen if she did 
what God told her he was going to do. Consider this. She was a young teenager. And God said, guess what, Mary? You're going to have a baby. Not me, Lord, she said. Oh, he said, it will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And all your neighbors are going to say, isn't it wonderful? No, that's not what he said. She got a bad reputation because she believed in God and listened to God and allowed him to do in her life what he planned to do in her life. From them. How do you hear from him? How do you listen to him? When you ponder it, what do you do next? How do you know has really God? Sometimes you don't until you just take action on it. Have you ever heard an audible voice from God? I've, I've talked to some people who've had an audible voice from God. He speaks to them in, a, in a, this big voice. I heard one man say if that ever happened to him, he'd probably have to change his pants because he'd be so shocked and frightened. I'd love to hear an audible voice from God. How do you know it's from God? This is, a, this is another free for you. No extra charge for this. Five steps. One, what you think you heard from God does it agree with Scripture? God never argues with himself. Second of all, if you do what he says he wants you to do, will it bring honor to God? Third step, do you get confirmation from someone who you, who you look up to as a mature Christian person? Do they say, yes, that sounds like God to me? Fourth step, do I have peace about it? Fifth step. Did the circumstances around me seem to cause it to say, yes, this is it. Go ahead with what you're thinking about. Five easy steps. If you follow those five easy steps, that's the Lord. The fact is, you and I ponder things we shouldn't do more than we ponder things we should do. A thought enters our minds, yeah, that doesn't sound like the Lord, but boy, it sure would be fun to try that. Well, the lesson I give to men, men, if you're driving down the street and you see an attractive woman, that's admiration. If you drive around the block to look again, that's lust. You're taking it one step too far. You are pondering the wrong thing. Don't take those thoughts in and let them dwell in your heart and your mind. Don't entertain those things. Ask God to help you and then go on to the things that are worthwhile contemplating. Is this making sense so far? Are you still with me? Okay. If, if, you're, if you're finished before me, uh, you, can, you can always leave.
We need to commit ourselves, as Mary did, not only to listening, but considering. And saying to ourselves, maybe I should do that. It sounds like a good thing to do. And it is, as it comes from the Lord. So, Mary believed in God, heard from God, and considered taking action on the, that she heard from God, and considered taking action on those things. Lesson number four, Mary submitted herself to the Lord. Mary submitted herself to the Lord. She describes herself, as Jim read to us this morning, described herself as a bond slave or a bond servant. Um, that the term comes from the Old Testament, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. The Hebrews had a law against owning slaves that were Jews, that were Hebrews. But you could hire one for a period of time who was in bad state. But you could not keep him for longer than seven years. After seven years, you had to release that person. That person was set free. If that person loved his master so much that he wanted to continue to serve the master, he could choose to bind himself to that master. And he's called a bond slave. And, and the binding was very graphic. That's, that person would be taken to the front door of his master's house. And they would take an awl. You know what an awl is. It's a little tool with a point on it. And, and they would... The, 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 this is not a pretty picture. They would take his earlobe up against the doorpost of the house and nail him with the awl against the house. And after that was done and they took the tool out of his ear, there would be blood on his ear, but there would also be blood on the house. And that was a sign that the man who was the head of this household was so loved by his servant that that servant chose not to be a slave for another seven years, but to be a slave for the rest of his life. Mary said, that's the kind of servant I want to be to my God. Not just for a short period of time. Not while just when it's convenient. But for the rest of my life, I bind myself to my God. This is what the Lord is calling us to do and be. Not just for a while, but for all eternity. A servant of God, our Father. There's a deeper level of commitment that is taking place in Mary at this particular point. She would be bound to her Lord even if it was embarrassing to do the things he told her to do. Even if she'd be ostracized, that didn't matter. She said, I will stay in this position under my God and Father and obey him. There's a great, there's a great word in Hebrew. It's pronounced Shema, S-H-E-M-A, Shema. 
It means two different things at the same time. It means to listen or to hear, but it also means to obey. And that's what Mary was doing. Lesson number five. Mary had faith in Jesus, trusted Jesus, and she shared her faith with other people. You all know the story of Jesus going with his disciples to a wedding ceremony at a town called Cana in Galilee. And halfway through the the reception following the ceremony, they ran out of wine, which would reflect badly on the groom and his family. And so Mary noticed the need. And she went to Jesus and she said to Jesus, Son, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, What's that got to do with me? No, she didn't tell Jesus what to do. She told him what the need was. It's a good lesson to learn. But she did the right thing. She made known the need, and then she went to the disciples and said to them, Get ready, boys. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's all she said. What a great lesson to learn. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. The only thing that Mary has said at this point in her life that we have recorded in Scripture is the best lesson for you and me. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. How do you and I usually approach the Lord? Do we once again tell him what we think he should do? Or do we let him know the situation as we see it? And then do what he tells us to do. I just imagine Mary having this, this little twinkling in her eye and this thought in her mind. I don't know what she is going to do, but it's really going to be impressive. He always gives us more than we need. Have you noticed that? He's so good at that. We ask him for what we want and he gives us what we need, which is beyond, way beyond what we think is the best thing to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Get ready. Because when you let God loose in the situation, you will be amazed. I told the men yesterday that the lesson I learned from a pastor in Dallas, after he had gone water skiing, for the first time, he said the lesson that he found skier is important to be a successful water skier 
is when they turn on the power, hold on. What a great lesson for Christians. When God turns on the power, hold on. He will take you places you never thought you would go. He will do things in your life that you never thought would happen. And it's fun. It's fun. Even when you fall, it's fun. Because he's a good God and he loves us. Mary believed in God. Mary listened to God. Mary committed herself to God. Mary shared her faith. After she had pondered it in her heart and took action. And I've discovered, as you may have discovered as well, the more I know Jesus, the easier it is to trust him and do what he tells us to do. All that to share with you a challenge. How am I doing time-wise here? Do Do I have one minute left? Thank you. Here's the challenge. How is your faith at this point in your life? How is your faith growing? Where along the process do you find yourself? Do you believe in God? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Today's a good day to make sure you do. Are you in conversation with the Lord? Not only speaking to him, but listening to him. Are you willing to consider whatever he might say to you? In your personal life. In the life of this congregation. Are you willing to do whatever he tells you to do. Will you be obedient? It's a question for all of us. It's especially a question for Goggy's church right now. Are you willing to do whatever you hear from the Lord that he wants you to do? I was praying that we'd end with a different song, but I love the one you chose. Victory in Jesus. What a great, what a great song to end with. I was thinking of this one. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's stand and sing about our victory in Jesus.